so I've done three Paralympic games in Beijing, Rio, and Tokyo, and I'm training for my fourth one in Paris in 2024, which. Ever get dealt an entirely new hand in life? Maybe getting dealt a new hand would turn out to be way better than you thought. She's the author of the book, The Power of Choice. She's a speaker, Paralympic triathlete, Purple Heart recipient, and a mom of two. Melissa Stockwell joins the podcast where we chat about her journey after losing a limb during the Iraq war to where she is today. So let's do it. Too many days in the darkness without a glimpse of the light. Running tired and broken and scared, but I swear I'll never give up the fight. I see you broken and beat. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Yeah, an, an honor, an honor to be on. I appreciate it. No, that is honestly all mine because when I was in my thoughts for you know who to have on for Women's Health Month, you know the types of guests. Your story really, obviously, stood out to me from you know what took place in in Iraq and your book, especially. But then you know I'm seeing all these amazing photos of you competing in the Paralympics all around the world, and then. I'm seeing you in photos with like former presidents with the Obamas. And then I think even dancing with George Bush, if I'm right yes. with that. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, wow, how have I not had her on the podcast yet? So I'm feeling <laughs> extremely, extremely lucky. Um, and I would like, um, you know, if you could kind of walk us through, you know, what your journey was like so far and looking back where you can say, you know, that what was a really pivotal moment for you. So I am, um, so I was in the military and went over to Iraq as part of um, Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2004. And I was there for three weeks when um, I was on a routine convoy and my vehicle was struck by a roadside bomb, which ultimately resulted in the loss of my left leg above the knee, which is where I stand today. And that kind of, I mean, obviously that was like the pivotal moment of, of my life. I mean, I think that would be kind of anyone, you know, big, big moment of, um, you know, like you never expect anything like that to happen to you. It always, that those kind of things always happen to to somebody else, but this time it, it, it was me. So going to Walter Reed Army Medical Center, kind of seeing the other soldiers, having to truly like relearn how to live my life, um, you this time with just with just one leg so kind of everything that comes with with acceptance and you know kind of a, a new normal and everything that comes with it um that definitely was um the moment uh, that that turned my life around for sure and you'd only been there for three weeks mm -hmm. yeah wow that's crazy because i would think i mean three weeks you're not even settled in yet in a different country yeah. your first appointment you're getting settled you're I mean, still like mapping out the itinerary and you were an officer. So, I mean, you're in one of the ones in charge of one of the decision um, leaders as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It was three weeks. Um, it was quick. You know, we had kind of, you know, just moved into, you know, a place where we could have the better sleeping accommodations. I mean, it was all like still very new. Definitely. 
And could you tell tell us a little bit about your experience at uh, Walter Reed, too? Because I feel like that that's uh, also life-changing as well, because I can only imagine the frame of mind you're in when that happens. Yeah. You know, how am I going to move on with my with my life? Because when you're a lieutenant in the Army and you're active duty, I mean, that to most people is your 20-year career. And that's what people sure. first see. And you're three weeks into your first deployment. That happens. Now, your whole future is up to up for grabs. I can only imagine where you are, but then mentally, but then when you go into Walter Reed, also seeing what other soldiers are also experiencing as well, how kind of you'd have some, some mixed feelings. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I've always been a very like positive person and that sounds, you know, very cliche, but it's, it's very true. Always like very much like last half half full and you know oh it's raining but doesn't the rain feel good so like very like yeah. positive-esque uh you know kind of growing up and which honestly helps a tremendous amount after you know this life-changing injury but yeah I would look around at Walter Reed and there were um you know the, the the war had been going on for um you know about a year at that point and I was surrounded by you know all these soldiers that were missing had traumatic injuries as well. Some of them missing much more than I was missing. So, you know, both legs, a leg, an arm, um, you know, they had lost their eyesight. So I didn't really have, I could never really feel sorry for myself. If I ever had a bad day, I mean, really all I had to do was like look around and realize that, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like all I lost is one leg. So it put things in perspective um, when I needed it most for sure. Well, you had said that famous, um, that famous quote too. I've, I've done more with one leg than I ever could have done with two. And that speaks volumes. And I'd like you for you to kind of expand really what you mean. And in, in some examples of where you, you came down to that too, because it's, it's especially like what you just said, you know, you're a half, um, a glass half full type of person. And that is exactly it because you're basically saying, I actually wouldn't be where I am today if I still had my two legs. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's been almost 19 years, which is crazy. I lost my leg in 2004. So I think it's just, it's more when I look back on my life, um, you know, over the past 19 years, or even, you know, after 10 years, I look back and just realize how many opportunities I've had, the people I met, the things that I've been able to do. And it's, I mean, it, again, it sounds strange, but it's a very true statement. Like I, I honestly have done more with one leg that, yeah, than I ever would have done with two. And how was that journey when you started to, uh, you know, uh, learn new things? I, I'd really like to touch on too, because I think from thinking of the majority of people out there, I, I feel like we're very timid and scared to try new things. I think we kind of live in our own little box and shell unless we're forced to, we're forced either financially or medically or something to actually start something brand new. And in your case, you've started, I feel like, so many different new things. I mean, from getting into the Paralympics to learning how to uh, fu function every day with having one limb and working with a prosthetic to now, I, I believe you're even running your own um, prosthetics business uh -huh. as well and helping others too, which is just basically start starting so many new avenues in life post-college sure. is, so, is so rare. And I feel like everybody in the mid twenties and later in life, you know, we're like at that point, an old dog that doesn't want to learn a new trick, but in your case, I mean, you're the absolute opposite and you've fully embraced everything, which I believe too, maybe leading to some of your success. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think so. It's it's scary to have change, right? It's scary to try new things, and we all get so in our comfort zones of even if you're not happy with what like maybe the job you're at or the life you're living, like, but you just have this sense of comfort, right? It's and it's hard to change. Like, I'm the first one to say like I'm not good at change. Like, it's hard, but when you're forced to do it, like I had no choice losing a leg. It was a forced change that I didn't choose, but I had to learn to deal with it. And in the meantime, learned that, you know what, like change is okay. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit on the things that we can do. And if you just get out there and like, try something new or like try something that you've always wanted to try, but you're scared to like, like just try it. Like you never know what you can do unless you just get out there and, and do it. So very much the attitude of, um, don't tell yourself you can't do something and try it and that we can do way more than we think we can. Yeah. And your, um, your story reminds, have you ever listened to the song never let go by Brian Adams? No, but I should. That sounds like a good song. It is a very, very good song. Um, it was actually played and became pretty well known during, uh, you know, Kevin Cosner, uh -huh. his movie, the guardian. Have you ever seen the guardian? Um, where he plays a oh gosh, I like parts of it kind of. Well, he he plays a diver for um the Coast Guard as, as a search and rescue diver. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. at the end of the story, very tragic ending. I'm not gonna um you know give Don't anything away. away there. No, no, no. Um, but I mean you'll be you'll be solving um sobbing at the end of the movie, and right. part of it is because of this song. And these lyrics always always stood out to me um, and listening to your story and, and kind of getting to um, know your journey a little bit. I want to just play these two lines for you, two lines, because okay. it, it fits your story so perfectly. And then I want to ask you a, uh, a question afterwards. Okay. Okay. And that, it just, to me, I, I've been there myself. I know so many people that are there now as well, where like we just live in this box mentality and we think to ourselves, we can't do this or, or just, no, I, I don't have time for this. And to be able to actually lose something and sit down again and play an entirely new hand. I can't think of someone more relatable to that lyric than, than yourselves in terms of just yeah. having to do it. And do you, do you have any advice for anybody where they have something in their head that they really, really want to do? Because I'm seeing this across social media, um, people I know, listeners, that they have this thing that they want to do and they're just – too, I, I feel like timid. Maybe, maybe you can put more perspective on it. I think it's timidness. I think it's what if, and they don't want to go there. It's out of their comfort zone. Is there any real advice you could dig inside yourself and be like, you know what? That's really what helped me when I was considering, do I do the Paralympics or not? Do I go here and yeah. do that? Do I get in? Do you have any, any advice? Um, you know, I think you, like you, we all, like life is short and the days are short. Um, you know, there's never the most common thing, like statement. I feel like I always hear is there's never enough time to do the things I want to do, but that is. 
Yeah, I think you find though what you're passionate about. You find like what drives you and what makes your soul happy and you you find time for it. So I think it's almost like reassessing like what's most important to you in your life. If you want to, I mean, if you want to, I mean, for me, I live a life of athletics, right? So if I want to go to the Paralympic games, well, I know that I have to sacrifice X, Y, and Z to make it happen. And, you know, sleep is important and nutrition is important. And, you know, and I like, I I like a clean house, but maybe I need to sacrifice leaving dishes in the sink every so often. So I can like get a good night's sleep. It's like, it's like little things like that, but they add up. And like, it sounds like silly to say, but like, they truly do. I think you, you just find a time to like, you find what makes you happy. And then you just find a way to make it happen. Like I am, you know, I, every hour of my day is kind of like allotted and it, they are busy days. And sometimes I sit down, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just did a lot today. Like there is, the days are short, but they are also very long. Like there is time to do it. Like you just have to make it. Mm. No, that's, that's a good point. Cause I'm, I, I think of you, right. I think of where, where you came and especially the amount that you had to learn too, mm-hmm. about all of this, these mm-hmm. different facets and you're a mama of two, right? Yes, I am. I am. So that's, um, that's busy in itself. <laughs> yes. How do you juggle being a, a mom of two and everything that you do and still feeling like you are giving your, your, your children the time that they deserve? Yeah. Um, it is, um, days are busy. Um, I wouldn't have it any other day. My kids always come first. I do travel a decent amount for training and racing and such, but I do, feel like that makes me a better parent or a better mother when I am home. Um, I want to be present. I want to be at everything I can be. I mean, I'm at every sporting thing. I try to, you know, every, I try to volunteer in the classroom, like as much as I can. Um, and I think my kids, like they're five and eight. So they're kind of getting to the age where they know like what I, what I do. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's busy, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, I, I love it. I mean, coming, if my kids are at a race and they're on the sidelines screaming, go mommy, go. I mean, that's what like drives me. If they're, if they get home from a run and they're in the, you know, cheering me on from the driveway. I mean, that's just, doesn't matter if I had a bad run, like that I'm, I'm mom first. And I, I don't know. I just need perspective. I just, I love it. I love it. Good. It look, it, I can tell you love it. I can, it screams yeah. off you. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. Do, do you um have any plans for your kids getting into any sports? They are kind of starting, um, my eight-year-old. So my, um, my husband is a hockey player, um, rec hockey player, but he loves hockey. So my son, um, I feel like I'm, I'm destined to be a hockey mom. I wouldn't say, unfortunately, I don't know if I'd say fortunately either, (laughs) um, but they tried hockey, hockey, um, soccer, my daughter's in dance. I don't think dance is her thing, but, um, it's kind of, you kind of want to like, let your kids try a bunch of stuff and like, see what they kind of take to and, yeah, I think hockey might be might be where we're at. Yeah, hockey's not bad. I, honestly, if I could go back and and think, you know, out of all the sports I played, which is there a sport that I would try? It would probably be hockey because I was, yeah. you know, basketball, football, tennis, and baseball. Sure. And hockey was always fun because, or I thought it was fun because of the it was like an indoor football atmosphere. Yeah, that's true. It's just, I mean, that equipment smells like that is some serious. Oh, smell. it's disgusting. Oh, that God. locker room. If it stays in like a hot car on the hockey bag, you get it out and it's just like, ugh. um, yeah, ex- I, mean, listen, be- I feel like any, at this point, for some reason, like 
sports are super competitive for kids. And I don't love that. It's like that. You have, it's like, if you're not on the travel hockey team by eight years old, like, well, you might as well count yourself out, you know, like it's unfortunate that it's like come that competitive, but it is. Um, so yeah, it's just, I think any sport ends up being your life when they get into it. So yeah, and, as long uh, as do something. honestly, if they love it, that's all I care about. And my son truly loves it. So that's what all, that's the most you can ask for. And the sports too have turned into year round seasons too. It's yeah. like each season uh-huh. has its own yep. team. It used to be just like basketball would have like its springtime like season, spring. right. but now right. it's summer, it's fall. And now every yep. other, um, every other is, is following. Every but other. I agree. It's like all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so I, when I was uh, doing my, my due diligence with just your journey to where you are today, I was like, a picture is definitely worth a thousand words. And I was like, Hmm, I can probably only get away with asking her about one of these photos. And it was between the George Bush photos of you, of him hugging you with um, Barack Obama and, and standing mm. next to you guys. And, and it was between that and the photo of you and Michelle Obama mm. chatting it, uh, chatting it away. And the Michelle Obama one caught my eye most because I didn't even think you guys knew like the cameras were rolling. It was like, you guys were off to the side, just like a little uh-huh. chat. And it was a really candid shot. And you guys just looked like two besties just chatting <laughs> it up, you know? And it's my favorite because, the, and that's obviously the photo I'm going with here um, because okay. it's, it's women's health month. Right. So yep. to start, you've got Michelle Obama, who some of, some of her great, great grandparents were born into slavery. And here she is living in the white house for eight right. years, you know, and she's talking to Melissa Stockwell, former U.S. Army officer, first woman to lose a limb in the Iraq war, Purple Heart and Bronze Star recipient, a uh, triathlete. And I mean, that's two badass women right there. And I need to ask you, what was that conversation like? Because you guys are both happy, laughing and smiling. And I was like, I wish I was a bug on the wall for that conversation. So if you remember what it was like and don't mind like kind of sharing some of those details, I would love to get a behind the scenes. Right, right. You know, and I, I honestly don't know if I know what the conversation was about. So what the 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 setting was, we were at an event called the Warrior Games, which is an event, um, it brings all different branches of the military, Army, Air Force, Navy, um, Coast Guard in for this like week long event where like different branches are competing against each other. And this specific warrior games happened to be held at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. And at the, there's opening ceremonies and we're like, there's like a torch, kind of like, the, you know, it's kind of, you know, based off of the Olympics, right? Like you have a torchbearer and they like this torch and the flame is up for the whole week. Um, so we're at the Olympic Training Center. There's like a torch that you run up and you put it out and you like light the torch thing. Um, and she was there as like the special guest. I was one of the torch people that like walked up the stairs like with the thing and with like with the thing with the you're the, the torch bearer. What am I talking about? The torch bear, the torch. Um, and I don't know, honestly, I wish I knew what we were talking about. I think we were maybe joking about, like, I, I think I maybe joked about how I didn't want to trip up the stairs. I don't really know exactly what the conversation was, but I just remember like her being incredibly genuine and kind. And, you know, I had been fortunate to meet a good number of presidents and I tend to remember them not for their like political, but like who they are as people, like what they seem like as, as people. Um, and yeah, I was, I remember just being very like, you know, giddy, like, oh my gosh, like I'm standing next to a first lady, like, wow, like this is never going to happen again. You know, just like uh, it, living, like just in the moment, you know? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear too. I, I saw too that, um, 
there's not many photos of three or more presidents in the same photo either. And in that one photo with you, Barack Obama, Michelle, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, um, Brock, Michelle, yeah. and then um, the, the Carters too. And and then Condoleezza Rice, and then you're there too. I was like, that is the coolest photo ever because you might be in a photo where there will never be that many presidents all in one photo again. Yeah, that was that was a moment. Uh, I mean, talk about surreal. My first thought was there's got to be so much security right now. <laughs> like oh, yeah. all the people in that room. Um, Yeah, completely surreal. And I look back at those pictures and it's just like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. You're in Gaga moment. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I I would love to ask you too, where, from where you're at right now to where you came from, what do you have any, um, any plans for like the next five, 10 years that you can kind of give us uh, an insight? I mean, obviously we know things can change at a drop of a hat, right? right? But exactly. Anything you kind of let us, let us inside. Yeah, I am. Um, so I've done three Paralympic games in Beijing, Rio, and Tokyo, and I'm training for my fourth one in Paris in 2024, which mm. there's no guarantee I'm going to, I'm going to make it, uh, but I'm going to, going to try in Tokyo. It was like the COVID game. So there was no spectators. So this time around, if I make it, you know, my family will go, my kids will be old enough to remember it. We'll have friends go. It'll be honestly epic. Like I, I'm so excited. The possibility of it is just pretty amazing. Um, so that is like probably, I mean, that's still, you know, it's a year and a half away, but a year and a half happens pretty quickly. So that's, quick. that's kind of the, um, the thing that's kind of biggest on the horizon. I, I mean, first and foremost, obviously like trying to be the best mom I can be and continuing that. And, you know, I do a lot of motivational speaking, so kind of traveling around and speaking. Um, so yeah, um, just, I don't know, trying to live every day the best I can really. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a good game plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like we all should do. Right. Yeah. No, I, I feel like we very quickly just lose sight of, uh, of living and enjoying things. It, it looks like you really enjoy and get every ounce of every single day out of it though, which is really nice to see. I mean, we I try, right. I think that's the best we can do. I mean, I have moments where, or days where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like, Oh, like I have no energy. I just want to like, I just want to, you know, sit here and do nothing. And some days you need that, honestly, like, and it's okay to need that. And to, I mean, sometimes that's how you recharge. And if, like, if, if I, if I ever get to that point, I know that I actually need to do that. Right. So, I mean, we all have ups and downs. I'm no different, like days where I don't want to jump into a pool or, or, you know, whatever it may be, but I don't know. I'm still very much, uh, you know, feeling very fortunate to live the lives that we all do and trying not to take that for granted. No, it's great to hear. I, um, I appreciate you you coming on today, Melissa. Uh, this was this was great. Um, if anyone's listening, going, I need some more Melissa Stockwell in my life. Um, where where can they they find you? Is it just Instagram? Yeah, Instagram's the best. Um, M Stockwell zero one, and it um yeah, I I feel like I try to um um yeah showcase ups and downs of life, and like I got some cute kids in there and training and all that. So yeah. You can follow okay. me there. Awesome. Awesome. I'm I'm a follower already. So um we're looking forward to maybe touching base again down the road sometime. Let's see how yeah. uh, how how you're doing. I would love that. Yeah. And thanks again for uh, having me on today. It's awesome. A- absolutely. It's my pleasure, Melissa. All right. Thanks. Talk soon. Every star.